Did you listen to the new Gangster album? I still haven't listened to it. Oh man, you're a fucking (laughs) disgrace. Fuck off. Just send me a message. Send me a... (laughs) Pete has taken off the headphones and just basically walked away from the camera. Straight talk. Mental health. Straight talk. Mental health. Straight talk. Mental health. The mind is a terrible thing to face. You're very welcome along to Straight Talking Mental Health, this weekly podcast where we... Uh, talk straight about mental health I suppose so it's pretty self-explanatory but uh, we feel the only way to tackle mental health issues is head on and you're going to hear how we do it with myself Peter Dunn and Alan Clark now you can check out previous episodes where we dig into the likes of anxiety suicide sexual abuse self-esteem trauma adolescence loneliness and loads loads more now this week we're holding our very first in session podcast where we answer your questions and deal with your stories around mental health that you've emailed or messaged us in the last two weeks and we're going to get to that very very shortly in the meantime Mr Clark how's your head it's all right, man. Uh, it's all right. Uh, flan out with work. Um, I was up at the zoo today. Oh, zoo yeah. Zoo shit. Yeah. The zoo is shit? Yeah. Oh, man, I'm going there Sunday. Not fucking, there's nothing open, man. There's nothing open. No way. Yeah, nothing indoor is open. No you way know, like, I heard there's, there's a few, few places yeah. where you, you kind of stand in to look at the gorillas or you look look at the tigers. You can't even stand into those little, the alcoves, you have this word, the alcoves. You can't even stand under the little no, shelters? No. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, no, they're, they're closed off as well, yeah. Because myself and James tradition, we always get a photograph and you go in, you know, you, they charge you a yeah, fucking yeah. fortune to, to, when you collect it then on the <laughs> way out. Well, it's been our tradition and we've pictures for the last two years on, on the fridge. They're not even doing the photographs. The, you know, none of the indoor stuff is open. The dinosaur, the reptile house, nothing, basically nothing mm. sheltered by the look ah, of it is, balls. is open. Yeah, yeah. So very disappointing. And it's all one way. So you're going to be around in about probably an hour and a quarter. Like, if well, depend if you're pushing the kids, you, you'll fly around. If you're if you're waiting on a child at Stodlin, mm. probably about an hour and a quarter, or an hour and a half. I remember I was there a couple of years ago. And uh, do you know when you're walking through, it's not too far from the start, when you're walking around with the, the left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got the, the monkey enclosure with like the, mm. the chimpanzees. Mm, and mm. you know you have the big high wire overhead. Yeah, the orangutan. Yeah, the orangutan. You can crawl <laughs> from one side to the other. Yeah, yeah. But we were walking up to there at one stage and uh, we were looking up and there was an orangutan slap bang in the middle, sitting on the wire, looking down. There's yeah, a group yeah. of people kind of gathered around looking up at him. Yeah. And I'm trying to show uh, Quiva, I said, look, look. Orangutan, can you say orangutan? And then I, I looked at him and went, uh, we might just wait back here for a second. Are they rub my out? Uh, no, no. <laughs> How's he doing? Orangutan recognize orangutan, huh? <laughs> he whipped his lad out and proceeded yeah. to do a urinification on top of a crowd of people who were standing down below. <laughs> I said that to James today. I was like, oh, I remember here the last time, Woody, and, you know, and everyone was walking. I was like, I'm not walking there. Not while he's in nope. the middle. <laughs> I'll wait until he crosses <laughs> for, that, for that exact reason. <laughs> to be honest, dude, if I was in Rangatang, I would do the exact Oh, same exactly the thing. same. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm a pit stone, you. <laughs> trip, trip, trip. <laughs> the R. Kelly of Rangatangs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but basically, yeah, the zoo shit, man. Yeah. yeah. Ah, that's a pity. You're telling me it's a it's a small dog. Shih Tzu. Yeah. <laughs> Dad jokes for the win. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so that that was, that was today. I, I tell you what, I tell you what. <laughs> normally we're talking about rattling my cage. I tell you what annoys me. People that add you on Facebook and don't interact with you. Like, why, why, why would you do that? Like, 
Yeah, I found that before. I mean, have you ever spoken to somebody on Facebook or Messenger or something like that and you bump into them downtown? You go, oh, well, how's things? And they kind of look at you and go, mm. well, and they'd keep walking as if their, their secret shame of chatting to you online. Yeah, yeah. You'd just be talking. You know what I mean? No, Nothing I, I, major. Well, how's things? Not a bother yourself. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. You're yeah. playing football. Like, no, 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 no. Somebody mm. might half know. You know what I mean? And they're yeah. all happy birthdays on Facebook and blah, blah, blah. I hope you're well and such and such. <laughs> yeah, you see yeah, them and it's like, oh, 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 you, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh man, no, but the, 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 I'm fucking ruthless. I'm ruthless on Facebook. Like I, I call, I call like a motherfucker. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> every, every so often, I'm like, don't interact with you. Don't interact with you. Yeah. I, I treat, I treat Facebook like everyday friendship. If mm-hmm. we don't interact, you're gone. Like what's, yeah. what's the point? I'm not having you witnessing my life when you, when you, when you partake. And I remember actually there was one, one girl I knew. I used to work with her for years ago. And we were great friends, but. We never interacted on Facebook or anything like that, and I and I, I deleted her in, in one of my calls. And she got on to me one day, met her, where did I meet her? I met her at a wedding or something. She goes, Alan Clark, come here, you, you fucking bollocks. Like, what, what's wrong with you? It's like, you deleted me on Facebook. I was like, yeah, I never interacted with you, you know, you never. I was like, yeah, but I used to like looking what you were putting up. I was like, well, that's one way, like, you know, it has to be yeah, fucking yeah. reciprocal. You don't yeah. put up anything, you don't interact. You know, that that's just stalking. <laughs> There's people on Facebook that people that I would have worked with in the past and like that you probably you would have just worked with them or work acquaintance mm, yeah but would have got very friendly with them on facebook and would, would you know would interact with them a lot and go you know facebook is what it is it's, it's whatever mm. you want it to be yeah you know these people with two three four five thousand friends get the fuck like <laughs> yeah I mean? you're not an influencer you know? <laughs> ah, mm. that, that well that that's that's what rattles me that's what yeah. rattled my case now this no, week yeah yeah. What about yourself? What's been going on with you, man? Something that really struck with me about last episode uh, on trauma, mm-hmm. and mm. it just kind of, do you know when you hear something that laugh, right? plays on your brain, <laughs> you know what mm. I mean? Mm. Time and time again, you go, Jesus, that makes a lot of sense. Um, when you mentioned that um, poor mental health can be passed on from generation to generation, mm. or mm. trauma mm. can be passed on, and you know, you mentioned the famine mm. as well. Said, Jesus mm. Christ, yeah. And then, of course, sectarianism and this kind of stuff. Mm. But I was talking to my man on the phone there uh, about a week ago. She said to me, did you watch the new uh, Who Do You Think You Are? I said, no, 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 I didn't see it. She said, uh, Boy George was on it. I said, all right, mm. yeah, he's mm. Irish or he's mm. uh, Irish family or something like that, you know. And she goes, yeah, um, he came back to Ireland to trace his roots. And they discovered that his uh, his grandmother was picked up by a cruelty man. And he, uh, hold on for a second. Go back there. You said a cruelty man. Oh, yeah, a cruelty man. So what's a cruelty man? Mm. Did you never hear of one? No. Did you ever hear of one? No. Cruelty men existed in this country in order to take children off the street who they felt were poor or badly treated. I'm doing the bunny mm. ears here, as I said. Mm. And <laughs> Their job was to bring them to the Magdalene laundries or to the local church where they were taken away from their families forever. Fuck. And I said, hold on for a second, Matt. That's not real. She goes, I'm telling mm. you, it's real. I said, no, no. I said, yeah. She said, me ma used to say to me, be careful out in the street because you don't want to meet the cruelty man. And I, I said, hold on. I was on the phone to her. I said, I'm going to have to Google this. Google it. This was actually Fuck something that man. happened. Retired police officers in this country Mm. used to go around with a sack over their shoulder 
and they would pick up kids who might have no shoes on their feet or might be a bit mucky looking or whatever mm-hmm. and put them into this, bring them to the local Magdalene laundries or to the church and they would get half a crown, whatever that's worth and new money. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Fucking hell. there are people alive in this country that would have been picked up by cruelty men. So the fucking the Magdalene laundries only clo- closed like a few years ago. 96 or something, wasn't yeah. that the last one? Yeah. Fucking mad. I googled it even further and I said Hold on, I'm going to have to look into this and yeah but a lot of people would not speak about it now you know and back mm, then it'd be mm. a case of you know your child has been taken away nothing we can do about it you know yeah, or do you know, do you know what they call it now there or whatever <laughs> Tuesla <laughs> <laughs> score one for Alan but no yeah. Yeah, like I couldn't get over this so Jesus I must look that like up. Yeah, there are people alive. And I thought to myself, hold on, there must be a documentary or something in this mm, mm. because there's not a whole lot of, um, you know, there's not a whole lot of media on it from what mm. I've seen. There's no mm. videos or anybody telling stories or short documentaries or whatever. So mm. I'm going to have to look into this. Like, Yeah, I must ask you know, me, man. I must ask me, man, if you ever heard that. Yeah, Cruelty Men. Yeah, well, fucking hell, man. I must look up that. I yeah, must look up the that. Cruelty, the cruelty Men. I tell you, it's, yeah, it's yeah. scary shit. But there you go. Mm. Like, mm. that's not too long ago. What does that do yeah. to your mental health? What does that do to pass on... Imagine the fear. ...your genetic code with that yeah. fear in it? You know? Well, that, well, that's... that's. I mean, that's epigenetics, what you're getting into there, of where, you know, this stuff is literally imprinted onto your DNA. Yeah. And gets passed on then. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Fucking scary. Jesus, that's bizarre. Yeah. And what, what else stood out here from, from the last session? Um, I normally ask this to clients, but for yourself, look, trauma's, trauma's a big... It's a big... It's a big topic. Sometimes when I learn shit... Uh, I mightn't actually take it in there and then, but it could be mm, having a cup mm. of tea and going, oh shit, hold on. <laughs> you mm, know. Mm. But one thing that really stood out for me as well was, you know, your brain is there to protect you mm. uh, regardless. You that, yeah. And, you know, it, it kind of takes in your environment and goes, right, we're going to have to put a plan in place to make sure mm. you are safe. And we're going to have to make sure that what happened to you before will not happen again. And this is what we're going to do. Mm. You know, and that um, really resonated with me. You know, when you and you can see this in a lot of people, as you say, mm-hmm. you see mm-hmm. people who are jumpy or nervous or, um, you know, people who avoid situations, avoid public, avoid people. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's amazing. And of course, when you look at it, the other side then as well, what has been wired can be rewired. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and that's, that's, that's neuroplasticity. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. You know, we can we can relearn. We can teach ourselves. And mm-hmm. um, I know you were taking the piss out of me. Well, you weren't taking the piss out of me last week, but you pointed out that uh, your muscle is in the brain, and you're right. Your muscle is. Your brain is in the muscle. Yeah. Sorry, your brain. Is, <laughs> my brain isn't great. You make it you fucking tell. easy, man. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't taking the piss out of you last week, but when you're gonna, <laughs> like, like Jesus, and you and you call me a prick for it. So I'm fucking. I'm jumping on you here now. Like, uh, <laughs> Go for it. Go for it. Your muscle is in the brain. <laughs> your brain is in the muscle. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm right. You must listen to the brain. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you fucking pedant. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I'm into is um, exercise and working out. And I often notice that when you're, well, often on a regular basis, that when you're working mm. out, you push yourself that little bit harder. Your muscles tear. Mm. And yeah, that's, that's where you get them from, yeah. You, uh, <laughs> you tear and repair. That's the name. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The sense that a muscle will tear 
and yeah, if it repairs yeah, itself, so it'll be bigger. Literally, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then it's, it's all it's all happens in the rest period. It's not, it's not what you do in the gym. It's the no. fucking pain you're enduring. Yeah, when the next day is when you can't walk. Uh, that's it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I just think that it would be uh, it'd be a good mirror for mental health as well. Where, mm. as you say, sometimes people go into therapy and come out and go fuck I feel terrible sometimes you walk yeah, out of a gym yeah. and feel terrible but yeah, two yeah. three days later you're you're flying and I would often use an analogy like that around the start when uh, clients are coming in and you know I'll say you know we meet once a week and they're like once a week and you know they'll kind of question around that and I said well look I said if you go into the gym you go in once a month yeah you're probably going to do more damage <laughs> you know you're going to go in there you're going to do yourself an injury you know where you know you make it a regular occurrence yeah you keep on top of it. Yes, but that's tear and repair. I'm robbing that one, man. Yep. Flat out telling you. Not there you go. Lie about it. I, I'm <laughs> honest. I'm a thief, but I'm an honest thief. <laughs> I'll, I'll always give credit. I'll always give credit. Yeah, hopefully, you know, it might be a simple analogy for anybody who wants mm. to, um, you know, go for a bit of therapy, go chat to somebody, yeah, get you, a bit you, of counselling. You dropped the knowledge, man. You, 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 you have them mic droppers. The good, one, the good one last week was the one about the gunk in the shower. Has to come out. The gunk has to come out before you can clean it out. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one, man. That's all I do. I work out and I clean out showers. You know, that's that's my life, basically. <laughs> I can't even claim to work out. I don't. <laughs> I should. I really fucking should. Um, no, what the man? Tenth, tenth episode. Tenth episode. Number ten. Here we go. Yeah. And it's a special one as well. It's uh, in yeah. session, so... What's been a highlight for you from the, from the ten episodes? I don't think there's a particular highlight as such mm. but I notice things that you might point out self-esteem mm. um, you know confidence how other people act and react it's educating me <laughs> you know mm. you're able to do what many teacher in Mullingar wasn't able to do teach me <laughs> shit man <laughs> you gotta make it relatable man you know that's 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 how you yeah. get through you know I mean look I, I, I could fucking go on and I could preach all academically and I could but so who's gonna listen to that other academics they already know this shit like yeah true. <laughs> you know yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, d- despite the profanity that, that pours out of my mouth I, I do know what I'm talking about <laughs> and if, if I have to and in, in the context where I need to be you know that need to present myself as that academic I can do it but these these people know that shit mm. they're not gonna be listening to this podcast we're, we're trying to get to the people who, who don't know this shit that's kind of where I come in because I don't know this shit but mm-hmm. I um, I'm learning you know cool. and there's there's an awful lot more where that comes from as well like even uh, you know you were talking about doing an episode on loneliness and I went mm. loneliness that's hardly mm. anything it's fucking mm. major and yeah, yeah, how big yeah. loneliness was and what it was you know yeah. Um, but uh, yeah yeah it's been good for me what about you I think I think the feedback I think the feedback we've had has, has been the highlight for me I was uh, and maybe it's that maybe it's that old rapper mentality when you put something out there into the public domain, people will fucking take pot shots at you. Like, mm. but it's been all positive, and that's that's been that's you know it's gonna kind of like oh shit, because <laughs> you're kind of like oh wait, you just wait for that first fucker to come in and say some shit like, and you're like oh do I respond? Do I <laughs> do I say anything? Do I do I leave it? Mm. You know. But the fact that the response has been so positive has been has been incredible. And then when, I, when amazing, I checked the yeah. stats there recently, then, tonight uh, this evening, um, Peru, Colombia, India, yeah. and like, not just what? one listens. Like I know, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, that's amazing. And the, the UK, the, the Brits have overtaken the Yanks. Yeah, they're, that's they're, right. They're, they're second on the listenership. There, yeah. yeah, yeah. Obviously, everyone in America is enough to be fucking dealing with <laughs> without listening to two paddies shy talking. <laughs> They're just trying to live, <laughs> survive. 
Um, we uh, we asked the public to get in touch and let us know their stories, their struggles with mental health. And uh, Alan here, the uh, professional psychotherapist, as opposed to me, who's a shy talker, is going to do his best to... Uh, oh, I'm to a shy talker. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just have a master's. I'm still a fucking shy talker. A master's in shy talk. <laughs> so what we're going to do is we're going to get you a few of these stories. And just a big thanks to everybody who got in touch. Mm. Um, it's great to hear mm. the response. And uh, we hope to make this uh, a regular thing as well. So if you do ever want to get in touch, you can check us out on Facebook. We're on Twitter and Instagram as well. Follow the hashtag STMH. Or you can email us straighttalkingpod at gmail.com. So let's crack on with the first one here. Hi, Alan and Peter. Love the podcast. Thanks for doing this. For the last eight months, my anxiety has got really bad. My doctor put me on medication for it. He has since increased the dose, but it's not working. I've been seeing a counsellor for the last four months and I've tried to reach out to friends, but they don't understand. And I know people who don't suffer have no idea what I'm going through. Recently, I ended up being admitted to hospital with a suspected heart attack. They did test, but everything was normal. They told me it's anxiety that's causing my chest pain. I've been very depressed since because I feel like I'm doing everything right, but just not getting anywhere. Any advice? Mm-hmm. First around a suspected heart attack or having to go to the hospital. That's a, I hear that. I've heard that a lot. Mm. Uh, people going in think they're having a heart attack, think they're going to die, only for the doctor to turn around and go, no, you're just anxious. Uh, that's 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 anxiety. You probably had a panic attack. We kind of uh, touched on that in one of, the, one of the episodes as well. Yeah, to think that somebody could be underground, struggling for breath, feeling like mm. their heart is going to come out of their chest, mm. all related to anxiety. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's giving you this boost of energy. It, it's getting you ready to mobilize. It, it's mm. getting you for fight or flight. But you're not doing anything. So mm. Your heart just, you know, it's like revving the bollocks of your engine sitting in your driveway. You're still a neutral, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. Jeez, yeah, it's, yeah. It's the same sort of thing. Um, the, the person mentioned that the, the, you've seen the council for the last four months. I'd probably ask, is that working? Um, mm. You know, is there's different 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 therapists have different approaches um and not it's not one size fits all you know if if that's not working for the for the anxiety um particularly after four months you'd be you'd be hoping to see some some sort of change i certainly would after that amount of time you you also mentioned that the the friends don't understand and you have no idea what what this person is going through I think that's very common. I mean, for for men, for people that are lucky not to not to suffer with anxiety, you know, I don't think they can relate unless it, unless you have, you know, some kind of you know someone or you have some knowledge of what it's like because it's it's horrendous. Like it's it's horrendous for people that that experience anxiety and that dread and just that constant feeling of apprehension that the, that that they go through. Um, you know, it's a it's a horrible feeling. Um, friends don't get it they don't understand so very often then what happens is people start cancelling plans they're all ready to go to the party and then they have a fucking panic attack at home and the friends get pissed off then because they're cancelling again and they're not showing up so um, and I mean you can, you can understand it from, from both sides but for the people that don't understand they don't understand why the person can't just leave you know that it's all in your head as you said, with the with the bunny ears in quotation marks, um, but all mental mental illnesses is all in our head. True. Uh, and if our head's not right, nothing's right. Is it common for a doctor to put somebody on medication while they're seeing a counselor? No, it's common for a doctor to put you on medication for anything. <laughs> you know, I get a I get a load of clients that will come in to me and go, 
went down to the doctor for anxiety or depression to get me a prescription the tablets are at home in a drawer mm. I don't want to take them and what I normally say is uh, actually there's one one doctor contacted me a couple of years ago and I'll never forget because it was exa- it was how she phrased it that stood with me I've never gone to I've never gone to doctors I've never kind of uh, what would you say campaigned with them to go oh I'm Alan Clark I'm a therapist you know, I work with such and such a thing. I'm down the road there. Mm. I've ne- I've never done that, but doctors have started referring patients to me. Okay, and well, that's because possible. obviously a client of mine might go back to the doctor. Doctors asking, "Oh, how's the anxiety? Oh, great. Oh, how well? What's worked? Oh, I was in with mm. Alan Clark there." Um, so that's that's where my uh, referrals come from. Doctors. So a doctor rang me a couple of years ago, and she said, uh, "Oh, would you mind if I if I you know send some patients on to doctors? Obviously, got no patients." I call them clients and the reason my therapist calls them clients is the patient infers there's something wrong with you mm-hmm. that's why they're, that's why they're called a client rather than a patient in yeah. therapy um, and she said would you mind I said yes no and, and this and this is why it said with me because she said because I'd be very 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 reluctant to prescribe medication for depression or anxiety and I said, Jesus, I said, you're, you're in the minority there. I said, because the amount of people I get and the spiel I just gave of how to fuck the tablets in the drawer. And she turned around and she went, well, she said, there's financial reasons for that. Now, I'm not one of these big pharma people, any, anything like this. But, you know, reps might give doctors, there might be a, an incentive to use their, their product rather mm-hmm. than a different product. But she'd be one of the rare ones that... Uh, understands that medication is not going to get to the root cause of anxiety mm-hmm. or depression. Now, if you're, you know, to the point where you said on the ground beating your chest, you're probably going to need something to taper you off, to level you off, or depression where you can't get out of bed or anything. Something that might just, okay. even if it's just that 5% boost just to get you out of the bed or to get you through the day, you know, great, but... Um, but what I'd say to clients that would come in and to talk about doctors like that I'd say well look if I call an electrician in he's going to look at the wiring in my house if I call a plumber in he's going to look at the pipes in my house mm-hmm. if you go to the doctor he's going to give you tablets yeah. that's that's what they do generally speaking yeah. no, I'm, not, I'm not bitching on I'm not bitching on doctors I'm not giving out good I think, they're, I think they're great I think they do some great work but that's that's what they do hmm no, it's it's not going to get to the root cause. It's not going to get to whatever it is that's driving the anxiety, whatever it is is driving the depression. So, mm-hmm. so going to the doctors, yeah, they they are going to prescribe medication, and in all likelihood, right. It seems to me that it's nearly the equivalent of going into the doctor with a sore ankle, doped up on painkillers, and going, no, oh, it's fine. No, when you twist it that mm-hmm. way, it's grand. It's okay. You know, rather than going in clean and going yeah yeah, yeah this, is, this is serious bother you know yeah. that well, to what, me, what do you like it. without the painkillers I mean that's agony it. yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, and and the all, the other issue then is well what do you do do you stay on antidepressants forever do you stay on anti-anxiety tablets forever mm. because once you come off them <laughs> the, the underlying root cause is still there yeah yeah you've only treated the symptoms yeah you know if, if you've got the flu and you know you're you're using a bit of tissue for your snotty nose. You're treating the symptom. Mm. You're not addressing the underlying virus. Mm. 
And that's that's what that, that's what in my opinion. And obviously, I'm going to say this because this is my field of mm. expertise. Um, and obviously, they're going to go. Well, it's a medical problem, and it needs medical treatment. And medical treatment is medicine. Person here mentions friends, and they don't mm. understand. And I know you've addressed it there, but I think it's important to say that friends don't have to understand. They just have to care. Yeah. So if somebody yeah. was good enough to come up to you and say, look, I'm suffering with a bit of anxiety or a bit of depression, mm. Mm. you know, be sensitive. Don't be someone to go, well, you're a dry shite and nothing to fucking do with you. You know, yeah, yeah, just yeah, yeah. ask them to explain, OK, well, what can I do? What can I do to help? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Because yeah. if like anxiety, as you say, is based around um, social issues. So okay, chances yeah, are yeah. somebody anxiety will be coming from their friends. Mm. You know, you might have a pushy friend that says, come on, come on, we're going to go out, we're going to go out, we're going to mm. do this. And mm. they're going, no, mm. no, 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 no. Just, I'm always asking them to go out, they'll never come out. Well, fuck them. Let them stay at yeah, home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, I think, for the, I think for the friends, it's important to just go, look, if you can make it, you can make it. Mm. You know, yeah. I won't take it personal if, if you can't. Yeah. Now, look, as I said, that's all right if you're, if you're at a house party or you're all in and out, night out. But for that individual then, that's gotten themselves dolled up you know has been saving up to go out for the weekend mm-hmm. or something and then the yeah. friend cancels at the last minute yeah you know it's hard to be a little bit understanding when when that goes when that's happened time mm-hmm. and time again um and and i've heard as I said, the reason i can speak is because i've heard both sides of that story yeah the, the people that have been anxious and you know a similar kind of story to 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 that was messaged in that kind of story and then the person that has been the other person waiting to go out or has has the friend that constantly constantly cancels and yeah um and i and i think in this uh, and and for those kind of people it's 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 because the friends don't do anything about it is the mm. frustration yeah well you won't see a therapist you're you're not doing anything about it yeah yeah you're not doing anything to help yourself and but i think this person seems to be doing absolutely right. this person's gone yeah. to the doctor this person has gone has gone for has gone for counseling um, and, and the, you know the, the point of matter on that of going look after four months I would be expecting to see something now I'm not mm. going to say you're going to be cured but I would definitely be expecting to see some change right okay after after four months so if that therapist isn't working and and this is the thing as well that you know people people can stay with a therapist out of out of loyalty you know mm. they may not necessarily be helping with the issues but it's a welcome release every week and they might be getting that out of it yeah. Um, oh, my therapist is lovely, or you know, they're very good. Yeah, but are you getting anything out of it? I know what you mean. They're they're mixing up nice person with professional. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe yeah. not professional. Maybe that's not. The wrong yeah, word probably to not use, professional. But, yeah, you know, uh, progress. Okay, yeah, yeah. progress. Yeah. yeah, I'd probably consider that. Does, you know, mm. is, is the therapist is the therapist working? Look, therapy's a it can be a slow process, but after four months, I'd be expecting to see some okay. sort of change. Mm. I would definitely see some change within that time. Yeah. And of course, this is leading into depression as well. This person mm. mentioned mm. at the end, uh, I've been very depressed since because I feel like I'm doing everything right. That can be yeah. very hard. Oh, you so think you're doing everything right and you're yeah, getting nowhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And, uh, you know, and so then, then you've got feelings about feelings. What's so that? you're depressed about being anxious. Oh, I or, get you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, or, you know, you're, you're angry about being anxious or you're mm. angry about being depressed or you're anxious about being anxious. Yeah, you know, and um, th- then you know that's that's a that's a double whammy because mm. because the, the anxiety is bad enough. But I mean, I I would certainly relate to that. Um, 
from from a physical point of view with my back you know I had had a tumor on my spine a couple of years ago I've always I've always suffered with back pain and fucking gets to you man you know you're mm. just like Jesus Christ I've gone for physio I've gone for acupuncture I've gone yeah. to you know all of this stuff and it's fucking still there like yeah, it's, yeah. it's frustrating I, mean, yeah. I, I met I met my friend Brendan there uh, during the week and he's another bad back boy uh, you know we're like just we're just fucking old man we're just middle aged like that was all um, the fucking the breakdancing back in the 90s you know? <laughs> Matt, 90s man I was breakdancing back in the 80s oh, I was breakdancing when breakdancing was first big at the Derby <laughs> Festival, there was a breakdancing competition. I was about seven or eight and I was breakdancing. No way. I'm an original B-boy. Oh, literally a little boy. What yeah, do you call yeah. them? Crazy legs. The original. Crazy movie. legs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, back, back when breaking, breakdancing, the movie was out and breaking too. Electric Boogaloo. Yeah, yeah. Wild style <laughs> or did you see that? No, that, that would have been too adult back, oh, back right. when I was that age. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah. So, well, I don't know if it's from back dancing, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, we were talking about it and we were just going like, you know, I said, oh, you, you get out for a game of golf. I said, oh, my back is fucked, man. I'm just, and he was like, oh, I had to fix fence panels there the other day. And I, I had to say it to your man, he's like, look, you know, I, I just to let you know, <laughs> I'm not pulling a fucking fast one. If, if I say my back is gone, my back is gone. Mm. But you go into these things going, I don't know if I'd be able to do that. Uh, when my back go. Yeah, um, yeah. You're, you're constantly kind of having to second guess what you can do, what, what you're going to be capable of. And it gets frustrating. The, the last crack in summer we had in 2018, was it? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I was doing my Two dissertation. Ago, yeah. I was sat inside looking at the fucking grass outside getting scorched. I think there was a period in the summer before that where we had a good old spell. My back was gone. And the boys were off. Oh, we're heading down to Wexford playing golf. We're heading here playing golf. And I'm like, can't do anything. Yeah. You know, they're all off. Mm. And swallowing around. Very annoying, living, yeah. You know, having, yeah. It's frustrating, like, and it yeah. gets to you. You know, it take, yeah. takes its toll on you. So, you know, I certainly, while I don't relate to being depressed about the anxiety, I can certainly relate mm. to feeling depressed about, uh, on, on the physical pain front. Yeah. And, and, and those feelings about feelings. Is there anything you would recommend to them, like, uh, you know, meditation or mindfulness or something as well, to go in conjunction with... In conjunction with, with yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely the meditation. Or seeing, yeah. or taking your, your medication as well. Yeah, and actually, as you mentioned, the meditation and the mindfulness, there's, there's, a, um, there's a piece in Buddhism that the Buddha tells a story. It's called the, the, the Sutta of the, of the Two Arrows. And I always, uh, I always actually use this metaphor, analogy, whatever it is, with clients around this feelings about feelings. So the Buddha, Buddha tells a story that you're um, you're walking through the jungle and you get um, you get struck in the leg with an arrow, and you've got this arrow in your leg and you're going, oh Jesus Christ, why would someone shoot me with an arrow? I'm going to kill whoever it is that's after hit me with that arrow. Uh, what if my leg has to get amputated? You know, who's going to employ someone with only one leg? Who's going to want to marry someone with only one leg? Mm. Uh, I'm going to fucking die. I'm not going to have any kids. I'm not going to have a wife. I'm not going to have a job. I'm going to be penniless. And he said that additional suffering that you add, so all those additional thoughts, is like being hit by a second arrow. Okay. So instead of just dealing with the first arrow, mm. I got a fucking arrow in my leg. I need to do something about this. We we add on all this additional suffering, mm. this psychological suffering, 
which is like being hit with a with a second arrow. So there's, there's there's the expression that pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. Very so good. in this in this situation, the anxiety is the first arrow, and then the depression is the is the second arrow. The depression is caused by worrying about the anxiety and worrying about your mm. friends, worrying about will I ever get better? Mm, mm, yeah. Okay. Mm. Cool. And of course, it's perfectly understandable. Mm. Hope when that I, helps. Hope yeah, that helps. hope that helps. When I was 17, I went to a house party at my friend's house. I had a few drinks and fell asleep in a spare room. I woke up in the middle of the night to find her older brother on top of me. I didn't know what to do, so I froze until it was over. I told my friend what had happened. She said, that's just him. He just does that. It's nothing to worry about. It doesn't sit well with me, and I feel violated. I just want to hear what you think I should do. I'm afraid to report it to the guards in case I'm not believed, and I don't want everyone in the area to know. Their family own a business locally and are very well known and liked. I'm just afraid I'll be looked upon as the bad person. Doesn't sit well with me and I feel violated. Well, you should feel violated. You were raped. How could you fucking feel any other way? Jesus. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean that's that's the first that's the first thing that's hitting me from that. Anyway, yes, you were raped. Yeah, you should feel violated. Uh, what do you think I should do? Look, generally, you know, therapy isn't about giving advice, but you know, this person has been raped. Mm. Do you think? she did the right thing by saying it to her friend in her mind she did but obviously the friend dismissed her and said don't worry about it he just does that mm. yeah well I mean the worrying part of that is that's just him he just does that mm. which would lead you to believe that this has happened before alright <laughs> yeah yeah I never saw that actually yeah yeah she obviously knows he does it and could he have done it to her mm. okay uh, yeah look look as I said it's hard to it's hard to comment on it from just that I mean mm. really you know within that I would flesh that out with a client of you know supporting them to do that and supporting them to go to the guards and that kind of thing but they, you know they have they have been raped this person it seems has is in the habit of raping or sexually assaulting young girls I can see where it becomes a difficult situation here because you hear of a lot of cases where it's just his word against hers. Mm, and yeah, yeah, is yeah. there any proof or was there consent, etc., etc.? And the fact that she had a few drinks, does that kind of put her in the bad books automatically of, oh, you're probably drunk and you are probably, you know, and it's, mm, I, I hate talking mm. like this, but you do hear of a lot of cases where, mm. oh, you you probably just made the wrong decision. You know what I mean? You were drunk, you had a few drinks and you seen this guy and you decided mutually you'd go ahead with it. And mm. the next day you regret it and you decide to say, oh, I was violated. You know, I'm, I'm just trying to think the way she's thinking. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Chris, when he mentioned about being uh, gay bash, being homophobically attacked. This is Chris who we had on Chris uh, an episode, episode a couple of weeks eight ago. on sexual yeah. abuse, was it? Yeah. Mentioned that he had been homophobically attacked, went to the guards and the guards said, well, if you basically don't want to be gay bashed, Flaunt, Stop fucking yeah. flaunt being gay. Mm, yeah, yeah. You know, and look, there's there's good guards. I've got some friends that are guards. There's good guards, there's bad guards, there's good doctors, bad doctors, good therapists, bad therapists. Mm. Um I from from what I hear, and I don't want to be tarring everyone with the same brush, but what I would encourage in a situation like that would be go to a female guard. Okay. From what I've heard the 
obviously the women tend to be a little bit more sensitive to it. Right, okay. Um, I'm not saying it's a boys club or anything like that, but from what I've heard from people that have had that, have had, generally speaking, positive experiences with a, with a female guard. Mm. Um, and probably, uh, again, fuck, I have to be careful what I say here, but the, 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 the person that messaged in that mentioned that they own a business locally and are well known or liked or something mm. like that. And yeah, I, I don't know if it is still a thing of the middle class or upper middle class friends with the local sergeant kind of thing. Mm. You know, you hear about it. It fucking does happen. It definitely happens. Yeah. Like um, family own a business locally. They're very well known and liked. So mm. chances are, you know, the, the parents or whatever are good, good people that might do mm. any charity work or sponsor the gadgets yeah, yeah. jerseys for the under 12s yeah, or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, and yeah. that's all still perfectly valid. But their son can still be a fucking rapist. Absolutely. Absolutely. Public perception might go, mm. oh, well, sure, they, they're a lovely family. They couldn't possibly have a son that would do something like that. Mm. She just says here, I'm afraid I'll be looked upon as the bad person. Because if you've got a lovely family living up there in this lovely house mm, or in the local mm. butchers or news agents or whatever mm. and trusted by the public for many, many yeah, years yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah. and then you've, you've this young one that comes along and says, no, mm. public might swing in their direction initially. And yeah, people well, might I mean, you're, you're not a bad person. You, you know, mm. you're, you're not the bad person in this. The bad person in this Absolutely. is the fucking rapist. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. You know, you have been raped from what's, from what's been described in that Mm. that doesn't make you a bad person that makes you the victim of a crime yeah and it is the guardies job to investigate that now look the reality of it is cops have to operate within the bounds of the law and if the evidence isn't there then as as shit as it is it's it, it's taken out of their hands because the DPP won't proceed with it and mm. you know but if there is evidence I mean it has to be investigated did this happen you know, people need to be questioned. But you're not the bad person. You're the victim of a crime. And you should feel violated because you were raped. Mm. If she decided to say nothing and let him get away with it, say nothing to her family, her friends, mm, mm. what could that lead to down the line in terms of psychological well, issues? Well, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a burden that, that that will be carried. You know, and look, even if she doesn't, even if... It, it, it isn't reported, you know, talk to a therapist, go in there, have that space, be validated, have someone to speak to about it. Don't don't sit on it. Don't let that shit rot away in your brain because it does, you know, or, you know, bury it then underneath drinking drugs from this trauma that's 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 been buried. Mm. Uh, go and talk to someone. If you're not going to talk to a friend or you're not going to talk to a family member, talk to a therapist, someone that just to unload, just to get that burden off yourself. And someone that, you know, they, they may not <laughs> speak on this with as many expressives as I have, but, you know, for, you know, with fucking rapists and stuff like, you know, that, that pushes a button for me, you know, it's mm. like, you know, it does, it does, it does make me angry that, you know, that that would be done to someone. I, I'm not going to try and hide that. It's a fucking despicable crime. And, and nor should you try and hide it. Yeah. yeah. But, Chances are, you know, if, if this, the friend slash his sister is saying, um, don't worry about it. It's just him. He does it. Mm. As you say, she knows this. So mm. chances are mm. he's done it to her. And chances are there are many other women out there. 
Well, I don't know if chances are that he, he's necessarily done it to the sister, but he's obviously definitely done it before. Mm. <laughs> that she's able to turn around and go, oh, that's what he does. So would that kind of trigger more women to speak up and go, well, actually, that happened to me as well. And that happened to me. And power in numbers. Yeah, yeah, you know, definitely. So don't be afraid and, of public yeah. perception because, yeah. you know, if, if other people stand up and say the, the same thing or even if yeah. word just goes around town like it's a, a local business or so I presume you're in mm. a small town or rural area or something mm-hmm. like that, mm. um, you know, chances are that word will get around then that, yeah, look, this dude does it all the time. Yeah, yeah. You know? and, and, you know, and I've had I've had clients in that situation before where they've gone and reported it to the to the guards um, childhood sexual abuse and other people then have come forward yeah and okay all oh, right now now we've got a pattern or what you know what might so even if a prosecution doesn't happen you know it might it'll it'll be reported it'll be recorded and you know if anyone else then comes forward oh well actually here we had a okay. complaint here yeah. Um, and okay, we'll, we'll mark this guy. There's a, a red flag, we'll say, around this lad. Mm. Someone else comes forward. Who was it? Oh, right. Right, okay. Now, so even if it's nothing done, it, you know, someone else might come through with the same story. And as, as you mentioned, then power in numbers. Mm, yeah. I hope that person's all right. I really hope that person's all right. Mm, absolutely. So here's another one that came in to straighttalkingpodcast.gmail.com. It says, Hi guys, I've been working in the job I love for the past 10 years. Two weeks ago, I was brought into the office to be told I'm being made redundant because of cutbacks following the coronavirus. To say I'm devastated is an understatement. I worked with a great bunch of people and made many friends and that's one of the things I'm really going to miss. I'm 40 years of age with no qualifications except for a leaving cert. I've got a wife and two kids, a mortgage and two car loans. My wife works part time and I'm the main breadwinner. The job was specialist work and well paid, but there's nothing like it locally in the nearest company to ours. If I was to get a job in that field, it's three and a half hours away. How am I going to keep the family afloat? I feel like a failure and I've let my family down. I should have got a qualification when I was younger and I feel I'm too old to get a qualification now. I've started drinking more lately and I know I shouldn't be, but it just feels good to escape reality even if it is just for a couple of hours. Any thoughts? P.S. Great to hear men talk about mental health. I've never suffered with mine before, but lately it's something I need to be more aware of. Something we're going to see a little bit more of in mm-hmm. the future, by the looks of it. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk redundancies and being made redundant from your job. Um, mm. I've been yeah, made redundant yeah. before. Yeah. Me too. Um, ten years ago. Ten years mm. ago I was made redundant. And at the time, it was... I, that week we were going to draw down a mortgage on a new house, oh, our first house, and you know the amount of work you put in to get the bloody mortgage, mm-hmm. and it was uh, it was heartbreaking, it was absolutely heartbreaking. I worked in the construction industry, um, I was an engineer, and uh, I liked my job. It was all right. It was great. Mm-hmm. It was job. Yeah, it was a job exactly, and I just felt like the biggest prick in the world because. I let my my then girlfriend now wife down, and we couldn't get the house. Well, we could have, but you're just not going to take that kind of risk. Being made redundant is just—it's like being told you're useless. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you we don't have any need for you, and mm. good luck and goodbye. But looking back now is one of the best things that ever happened to me. I swear to God, one of the mm-hmm. best things because mm-hmm. it kind of—you know—you get in the rut. Where you yeah. go, I'm going to move on from here. I'm going to get a loan of a job here, blah, blah, blah. I need a job to pay the loan. Then I need to get another loan. After that loan finishes, I need to keep mm, the job. Mm. And you kind of get stuck 
in a bit of a yeah. rut. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. that mm. gave me the biggest kick in the hole I needed to get out mm. and mm. do something. Because I sat back and I thought, what would I love to do? And I thought, radio. I'd love to get into radio. And I remember I said it to me old fella. <laughs> mm-hmm. I said, uh, Dad, I think I'm going to get into radio. And he just looked at me and went, huh, I said, Darcy is shite himself. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the support, Dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, in fairness, in fairness, we were yeah, very supportive. Yeah. Just the initial reaction was just, huh. mm. but, um, but look, 10 years later, I'm still in radio. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was made redundant before I went into full-time private practice. Uh, like that, nearly nearly 10 years in the place as well. Um, yeah. And uh, fucking gone without so much a card, without so much a thank you. I think I mentioned it on the first episode. You did, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. In, in my own story. Yeah, and like that, it was... Um, you know, it gave me more time to invest uh, in, in the practice and the practice took off. But, you know, when they said to me, oh, it'd be the best thing that ever happened to you, my head, I'm going, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know I'm going to invest more time in this. I know. Um, <laughs> and I, I think, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of David Mamet. He's a, he's a playwright, screenwriter. No. Um, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Um, a lot of famous plays, but he's very distinctive uh, dialogue style. But he, he said something. Now, I mean, it'd be easy for him to say it because he's a successful playwright. But he basically said that, you know, anyone, any actor with a a backup job or any playwright with a backup job will always go back to their backup job. Mm. You know, you kind of need that fire under your arse to go, fuck, I need to, I need to work my bollocks off of this now yeah, to, yeah, to yeah, make yeah. this, to make this happen. Um, so redundancy isn't the end of the world. Mm. Redundancy, yes. It's an um, opportunity. It is. It is an opportunity. Mm. Um, so that's, that's just that, that's just that factor of it the the other thing uh, to mention here and and you kind of touched on it in your own experience uh, and particularly that the male identity or you spoke about it before that the, the the chris rock piece of a man is only loved on the condition that he provides something yeah a lot of men get caught up in that mentality of mm. that's my job i'm the man i'm the provider i'm the breadwinner i think that i think this individual even uh yeah he actually yeah. used that term i'm the main the breadwinner. breadwinner yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um and a lot of the male identity that goes along with that, of feeling like a failure, feeling useless, um, um, it's it's a very common thing. I've seen it so so many times. Mm. Um, that's it's that it is that real piece of well, who am I if I'm not the if I'm not the breadwinner if I'm not the not the provider? Yeah. Um, and and I faced I'm not not in the situation where I was made, made redundant, but I was I was sacked from a job years ago. Um, I worked in a place I wouldn't give the fucker the pleasure of even mentioning where it is, but it turned out I found out after the fact that this is what he does: he takes someone on and lets them go then before they're there the year. So you basically know rights, and then he gets someone yeah, else gets in, you, yeah. lets them go before they're there a year, and 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 carries that on. But, you know, being in that position and having to go home and say, I'm after getting the fucking sack. I'm out. He's after letting me go. Mm. And you know, like that, feeling like a failure and feeling, you know, young young kids to provide for yeah. and a partner uh, to provide for at the time. And, you know, it's fucking devastating. Like, you mm. know, who you are and your identity and um, that attack on your male ego because you're yeah. the breadwinner, because you're the provider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a very, it's a very common experience. Yeah. 
And funny you mention that, I remember when I was made redundant, I got a part-time job in pennies. Mm. And uh, I think it was picking up shoes or something at one stage. <laughs> Like women's shoes that... Do you get discounts? Do you get staff get discounts? No, you're pennies? doing your shit. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that. I was like, just to be getting them for free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, if, you, if you want to lose all faith in humanity, just walk around the shoe mm. section and pennies where, mm-hmm. you know, there's women just, just trying on shoes and fucking them yeah. off and throwing them on the ground, Ignorance. kicking them under things. Yeah, and, yeah, you know, and uh, it's just your whole day just picking up shoes. And I remember I was on the ground and I was on my knees picking up a bundle of bloody shoes and trying to find a mash to them. And mm. I looked up to the person who was standing in front of me. It was a guy I used to work with. And I thought, Jesus Christ, I feel what like was I like sank. Oh, I felt low as shit. But mm. at the same time, I was earning. I was out doing a job. You know what I mean? I was never yeah, going to yeah. sit at home and go, yeah, oh, that's yeah. it now. You know, I had to get out. And although... Looking back now, and it was a, it was a mundane job. It was, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But it, what really, what I really enjoyed about it was the people, just getting out and chatting to people and yeah, meeting your coworkers yeah, yeah. and having a bit yeah, of crack. And yeah. you know, it was only a handful of lads and myself that mm. worked there. And you know, you just have a bit of banter or play pranks mm. on each mm. other or take mm. the piss mm. or whatever. You know what I mean? And just that was great, just to get out. Yeah. And even though like it was, it, it was a retail job. You obviously don't need a qualification or anything for it, but it was just nice to get out and you know swallow your pride and get back up again and it makes you mm. more determined to succeed at what you want to succeed at it gives yeah, you that yeah, push yeah. whether you're studying part-time or whatever or mm, you're mm. you're volunteering to try and get into a different role or something you know um it does it just gives you that that bit of a push yeah but swallow that, your you pride. Know, that, yeah this, this guy mentioned the same thing as well i've worked with a great bunch of people and made many friends within all of this what what needs to be addressed is grief there's a there's been such a loss Okay. There's been the loss of the job. There's the loss of the identity. There's the loss of friends. You know, this needs to be acknowledged as a loss. Mm. And with loss, you know, it's something we need to we need to grieve. And and there's two two different elements then around around the grief on this then. So there's what's what's called the primary loss, which is the loss of the job. Mm. And then there's the secondary loss, which is the loss of friends social contact social outlet yeah that's a loss in and of itself let me pull you up on something there he describes them as friends you describe them as friends but at the end of the day many co-workers that you worked with are still in touch with you yeah true i know i, I didn't want to make that point i didn't want to <laughs> i didn't want to <laughs> no, it's just, little it's, his experience but you're right yeah, no it's just exactly. something that you know a lot of people get so bogged down in work and they spend a lot of time with, with, with colleagues that they might confuse you, you them You spend as, more fucking time with friends. your work than the people you work with than your family. Like, uh, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I, I just think people get bogged down in saying, oh, if my friend, my friend at work. No, they're not. Yeah, yeah. Your, your colleague, you, you talk to them. But, you know, yeah, but there might be. There might be some that are actually Absolutely. Friends. I, I, I know, still have friends from old jobs that yeah, I, I'd yeah, still yeah. talk to, absolutely. And I'd still call or I'd mm, message mm, or whatever, definitely. Mm. But 95% of them... Yeah. Probably yeah. fair. Yeah, no, I wouldn't because yeah. at the end of the day, they're not friends. They're they're colleagues, people you might mm. get on with. Like, um, and I, I think that's something that this guy has to look at because you know at the end of the day, how many people will will still talk to you when you're yeah, you're yeah. not working there anymore? Many people, yeah. even though you might have been great crack, you might have been yeah. popular in there, but at the end of yeah. the day, who are going to go out of their way to, to ring your call up to mm, or whatever? Mm, mm. Um, and another yeah, thing I'm, is, what we're seeing an awful lot more of are courses for people who are approaching retirement age. 
And mm. the courses are mm. basically focused around that. When yeah. you retire, chances are your colleagues will not be in touch with you anymore. So yeah, and preparing yeah. people for that, which I think is a great idea. Yeah, very you good. Know, yeah. yeah, it is something um, that needs to be. Because you they're still working, they're still going about their daily life, you know, or they may be still working, yeah. yeah if they've retired it. as well, then obviously you've got a golf buddy, you know, yeah. you have someone out to, with that's free it, time. Yeah. But yeah, I like that with people. And I mean, he's only he's only 40, as, 40. as I said. Yeah, so I mean, I, I don't want to, I, I, I kind of deliberately avoided that of going, are they your friends or are they just working? Yeah, yeah. But he calls them friends. So in his mind, they're friends. You know, so that's 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 his sub, that's his subjective experience on it. So there's the yeah, so there's the primary loss, which is the loss of the job, and then there's the secondary loss, and we have this in you know you'll get this in breakups as well, where the primary loss is you've lost that individual, you've lost that partner, that boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, but there's the secondary loss of well maybe you're really close to their family. Mm. Now you know you're not going to have any contact with them. Uh, all the plans you had for the future oh well we were going to have X amount of kids we were going to buy a house we were going to do this yeah that's gone yeah you, you know there's a lot to a loss than just the surface event yeah brilliant yeah you know I like that so there's so many with this there's the loss of the job there's the loss of the friends there's a the loss of identity there's there, there's so much in it um, that you know I think it's important that he acknowledge for himself that that this is grief and that and this loss needs needs to be grief. Mm. Um, and he's being too old to get a qualification. Yeah, no. I'm just going to pull you up on that. Like, how old were you when you? So fucking pulling me up, man. Just you can make the point. You don't need to pull me up on it. <laughs> 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 yeah, but look, I I was 33 when I went back to college. You know, you were mm. yeah, you were fucking younger than me. But ah. <laughs> <laughs> you changed careers, but no, it's mm. never. And you know, with age, you know, comes comes a lot of experience. I remember, you know, I've had a couple of clients that were. Uh, one, one client uh, there recently was like, you know, I often, often thought I'd like to do what you do. I was like, well, why didn't you? Oh, well, I'm too old. Mm. But that's to your advantage. You've got life experience. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. You know, I know I'd, I'd care too much. That's good. <laughs> you should care. You know, you learn <laughs> to leave it at the door. You know, you learn. Mm. Well, you should be learning to, to leave it at the door. Yeah. So where, where some people see it as, oh, that's a disadvantage. You know, I'm too old. No, no, no. You've got life experience. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and it is that you know it's an opportunity to go. Well, hang on a second, you know we spoke about before about the, the midlife crisis and the existential piece of what am I doing, where am I going? Mm. It's like, yeah, well now you have a chance to reassess that. Yeah, it's an opportunity. Yeah, it's an yeah. opportunity. You know, see it as an opportunity, but acknowledge the loss, take the time to grieve it, watch the drink. You know, he, he you know he, yeah, he rightly notices that. Uh, and he he describes it there himself. You know, it feels good to escape reality, even if it's just for a couple of hours. Yeah, that's his kind of but, window of opportunity to yeah. relax. Said it before, you know, and yeah. we definitely need to do an episode on drink. But you know, yeah, we will. Yeah, definitely. Anything, any drug, including alcohol, it's a mood modifier. Mm. I'm feeling one way, and I want to feel another way. I just think it's important to mention as well that he says, "I know I shouldn't be." Mm-hmm. So at least he knows that. You know, yeah, exactly. It is only yeah, a temporary yeah. thing. You know yeah. yourself, and yeah. You know, you, you have a bit of a blowout every so often yeah. or whatever, you know. But the, the other thing I'd recommend around that as well is uh, I, I've been involved a couple of times and they would make referrals when they wrinkled there to me. There's a program called Heads Up, used to be called Mojo Program, and it's specifically for men. It, it started out during the recession, men that were unemployed, so men that might have been made redundant during the crash or okay. men that might not have ever worked, but it's specifically for men. 
Mm. So I recommend look, looking that up. They, they run it around different parts of the country. So uh, obviously we don't know where this individual is from. Uh, another anonymous one. Uh, so look up the let's look up the heads up program. Uh, for for any men out there that might be unemployed okay. to specifically work with unemployed males and it's a great social connection there's great uh, life skills in it mm. um, so that that'll be one to, to, to look at as Brilliant. well yeah hopefully that helps um, got an email from uh, Michelle she says hi guys love the podcast well done and keep up the good work something I think most people have experienced in their life is dealing with toxic people yeah I think we have mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I recently left the job, not a work-related one, because of a very toxic boss. I spent over a year working with my counsellor and psychotherapist trying to develop tools to manage her behaviour, so it would not have such a negative impact on my physical and mental health. Needless to say, I failed. As a person who is very self-aware, I always question my own actions and behaviours. I always cross-check my responses when an independent individual to make sure I am behaving reasonably and not allowing my emotion to guide my behaviour. The person I had to deal with, in my opinion, lacked all and any capacity of self-awareness despite my constant attempts at diplomatic resolutions i appreciate that it is not your intention to make me feel this way however when you behave like x it makes me feel like y etc the person was incapable of any empathy or sympathy and instead always turned any conversation or scenario back on me i was the problem my mental health was the problem unbelievable stuff unfortunately for me I believed her for a long time. It had a profound effect on my self-worth, self-confidence, etc. Thankfully, with the help of my weekly counselling, I realised I was not the problem, she was, and it became apparent that there was nothing else I could do. I resigned my job, stating I wanted no further contact with the person. I knew that I was not equipped to deal with her manipulation, so I had to cut it out completely. Since I'm a brand new woman, my anxiety is non-existent for the first time in a long time. Looking back, I realised the woman's constant manipulation was so severe, she was in fact gaslighting me so the point of that long-winded story is i believe that a lot of people are suffering as a result of toxic people in their lives they may not even know that this person's toxic behavior is the cause or a contributing factor to their own mental health issues if you have any advice on how to firstly recognize the toxic people in your life how to deal with the impact of their behavior on your mental well-being recognizing sooner when it's best to just step away from the person altogether i was asked recently if i regret not doing mediation with the person so I may better learn how to deal with such people going forward. My response was, I hope the years of this will at least teach me to recognise a toxic person sooner before they have such an impact on my mental health and remove them from my life sooner. Anyway, just a thought, keep up the good work. All the best, Michelle. Cheers, Michelle. Ever worked with anyone like that? Mm, no. Thankfully, mm-hmm. I've never You've been done. Lucky, man. You've been yeah, lucky. I've like some people can, like everybody's different and some people handle people in different ways you know you have certain bosses who can be very mm-hmm. you know who can't no, put even an not just a boss like had a co-worker or, or anybody or yeah like uh, even experience with a co-worker not even just a boss or. um nothing that mm. severe i have to mm. say thankfully nothing that severe but i suppose it depends on the person who's taking it do you have a thick skin or not and if you don't have mm-hmm. thick skin it's okay uh, you know you, you don't have to have a thick skin mm-hmm. um but you know I've, I've dealt with people that you have to um take with a pinch of salt as we say um mm-hmm. some people you yeah. just have to kind of nod and agree with and then go off and do your own thing anyways mm-hmm. or um you know you've some people you have to placate and yeah, there's some yeah. people that you you just bollock back at them and as soon as mm-hmm. you do that mm-hmm. they will never speak to you like that again because they are bullies yeah, yeah. 
Mm. You know, so it's it's how you manage it yourself, I suppose. Mm. But thankfully, I've never worked with anybody like that. What about you? Mm. Oh, yeah. One, really? one person I worked with, she was fucking poison. She was dangerous. Mm. Dangerous in the workplace. Hang people left, right and centre. And then once the boss was around, I've, different person. I've seen that all right. I've, like I've da- seen dangerously, that, yeah. dangerously different. Like. I think your dog's trying to get out. It's not my dog. (laughs) It is now. (laughs) Um, Why do people act like that? I mean, why does somebody go from such extremes from a complete and utter, like uh, a backstabber, uh, a manipulator, and yet in their personal life, they're probably sound. They're probably lovely people. Mm, Yeah, I mean, look, what's behind that? Is it them trying to get ahead in the workplace? Is it them... Looking for a promotion, is it, um, you know, something about the other person that's triggering something in them and it's unconscious transference that they're out to destroy that person. But, I mean, I, I'm just thinking of the, of the one person and, you know, Michelle, Michelle's talking about a toxic person there and, you know, I couldn't say anything more than everything she's done, you know, the, yeah. <laughs> of what to do. Yeah. And yeah. and you can and, and I can hear the therapy. I can, I can hear the counseling speech in what she's in what yeah. she's saying. She tried like, everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I know I know where that's coming from. You know, she says um, she she cross checked her responses mm, uh, mm, with an independent mm. to make sure she'd be look, we all say that there's three sides to every story. There's your side, my side, and the truth. Yeah. But yeah. um looking at what Michelle did is um yeah the steps towards trying to trying to work with somebody who mm. you cannot work with. Attempts at saying stuff like, I appreciate that it's not your intention to make me feel this way. However, when you behave like this, it makes me feel like that. Yeah. If yeah. somebody said that to me, I, I'd feel terrible if I was ever treating them like that. Well, that, that's, that's what's called terrible. I statements. Uh, what? So, uh, I statement. So you're not blaming the other person. Um, and I'd recommend this oh, you know, okay. for, for everyone that's in a couple and all of that kind of thing. You know that you don't, you don't start it with because when you do, you're just going to put the person on the defensive. So you don't say, oh, you always do this or you always do that. Okay. Um, It's, you know, it's, it's you don't go with that because when you do that straight away, the other person is going to go on the defensive. Do you ever find that when somebody does that, if somebody says, look, when you're doing this, it's making me feel like this, then that's yeah. nearly giving somebody ammo to go, oh, I'm going to do that again. If it makes you feel bad, I'm going to do it again. Well, well, that's the wrong sort of, and that's a, toxic person absolutely <laughs> that, that yeah. does that yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but the point of the I statement is you're talking about how, how I feel and this is this is where I'm hearing the therapy talk in, in what Michelle has described mm. you know the I feel statement so it, it's nearly like a mathematical formula uh, I feel yes. X yeah, when yeah. Y uh, but yeah. the, the latter part of is the in future bit mm. so you know you're not going on the attack you're saying well I feel ridiculed or I feel undermined or whatever yeah yeah yeah. undermined or whatever when you talk to me like that yeah in future I would appreciate if you didn't talk to me like that in front of yeah other staff members something like that so you're addressing the issue you're not blaming the person you're saying well this is what I feel and I feel this when you do that but the key part is the in future bit because you're giving them well this is this is my solution to this problem yeah in future, I would appreciate if you don't talk to me like that. Now, obviously, if the person continues with that, then 
you're not fucking nothing. You know, you're, you're banging a head against, against a brick wall with a person like that. Mm. You have a great term for human resources. Inhuman. Yeah. <laughs> Putting the inhuman. <laughs> Actually, I only, had this, I only had this conversation with a client last night. We, we mentioned this very thing. And she made a fucking great point mm. of when personnel, what it used to be called, changed to human resources. That the human as a resource rather than the person in personnel. Yeah, I never actually thought about breaking it down. I was like, down. Yeah. fuck me, wow, that's a that's good brilliant. one. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, because it used to be personnel. Yeah. You know, but now it's human resources. As at the end of the day, HR are management, who are probably sitting at the same table as management. H- when they're eating HR their lunch, are you're box tickers to ensure that That's every procedure yeah. is yeah. applied. So chances you've got are your, made. got your verbal warning. Yeah. You've got your two verbal warning. You've got your written warning. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Here's a few EAP sessions for you. Here's your uh, uh, employee Mental. assistance program. Yeah. Six, six sessions with a counsellor. Yeah. Mental wellness check-in. How are you feeling today? I'm all right. Okay. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but I suppose the question here is, um, for Michelle, was the job worth it? Well, she seems to be a happier woman since. Yeah. She obviously made the right decision. Yeah. And how do you recognize a toxic person? I think if, I, I think a general kind of sense would be if that's a person you want to avoid. You know, if you come away from that person and you're either angry or you're just absolutely emotionally drained, you're you're probably at something. If you start feeling bad about yourself, you know, she she mentioned, um, uh, Michelle mentioned the gaslighting there. Um, for someone, for, for anyone that's unaware of what gaslighting is, I think the, I think the term comes from a film in the 40s where the husband convinces the wife that she's mad or something like that. Okay. Yeah, so an example of gaslighting would be where it's put back on you. Mm. You know, oh, well, you're just too sensitive. Yeah, stop being so you sensitive. Know, yeah, yeah, but Shrine never said that. Yeah. And they, and they did, like. Mm. And, and you know, and it gets in your head then and you start going, am I too sensitive? Yeah. Fuck, maybe, maybe I am making mountains out of molehills because they get on with everyone else there. Maybe, you know, maybe it is me. Mm. Um, and that that'd be what you know, a simple example of it. Or they go around bitching about you, bitching about you to other people, and going, "That one's not fucking right. There's something, something wrong with that one." Like, yeah, yeah. And you all know, of this kind of thing, deflect like, and blame. It's all, yeah. it's on you. It's your fault. Well, no one else has a problem with me. Yeah, and you'd often find out in workplaces as well that uh, colleagues will tend to go to other colleagues and kind of nearly rally the troops. Oh, come here, come here. Did you hear it? Did you know what they did? Did you know what they did? Mm-hmm. They're being, yeah, yeah, they're being, yeah. yeah, they're wrong. I, I, do you know they're wrong, don't you? Yeah, yeah well, then I know, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. where it's us against this individual here. Yeah. And it can be an awful toxic environment. Of course it is. Yeah. Be, and then you know. they're minimising your feelings on it, you know. Like, oh, calm down, you're overreacting. Don't don't be so sensitive. And yeah. This happens in families as well. Like, you know, if I, I remember one client before and... Uh, the family were telling her, oh, you're just fucking insensitive. We're only having a laugh. Like, fucking calm down. And they'd be mm. saying horrendous shit to her, like. Yeah. And the fact that she took umbrage with this, like. Like, yeah, you're right. To, don't, you know. Stand up for yourself. No one should be yeah. talking to you like that. Let alone your fucking family. Yeah, you're right. And like that, you mentioned it before, work can become like a family. You know, you mm. have the mm. uh, the big brothers, the big sisters. Yeah. You know, you have yeah, the messers, yeah. you have the... Yeah, you know, you the, the father figure, the yeah, manly figure, the, and, and, yeah, the joker, the and, and you know, yeah, you get that, you get those dynamics. Yeah. yeah, I'd say now that a lot of people are working from home 
you know, uh, during lockdown and coming out of lockdown, still working at home. A lot of happier people. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. You, you yeah. know, and even people might have realised why they were so miserable in work. Yeah, yeah. the fuckers that were putting yeah. you down? You know, Absolutely, when you're yeah. when you're gone for a cup of tea or gone for lunch or something and you had people yeah. sneering or whatever, even having the crack, you yeah, know, yeah. but actually putting you down. I, I remember a girl I knew years ago told me something that always said with me. It was very, very succinct, very, very simple. But she said, there's two kinds of people. There's drainers and radiators. Drainers will drain the fucking life out of you. You walk mm-hmm. away from them, you're drained, you're exhausted. Yeah. You know, it's had an impact on your emotions. Radiators, they give off energy. Yeah. You come away from those people going, Jeez, that was fucking great. I enjoyed that now. That was yeah, a good old yeah, bit yeah. of crack there. Like, yeah. uh, you know, enjoyed that. Yeah. But you know what could be tough as well for Michelle when she was in that situation? If she, let's say there was a group of people there and her boss was part of that group of people mm. and she recognises that her boss is toxic and wants to mm. avoid them. But she's in the group of friends or the group of work colleagues and she's to mm, go, mm. okay, well, look, I'm, I'm not going to go for lunch with them. You know, I'll go yeah, out for yeah, lunch. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll pop around to the shop yeah, or whatever. Yeah. You know, so then she's missing out on social interaction because the rest of them could be going, oh yeah, sure. X, Y, and Z, they're sound. They're lovely. And you're going, no, they're actually horrible, mm, horrible mm, people. Mm. Look, the other thing to consider this is that, you know, Michelle could be working somewhere where there's three employees yeah, where there's no, <laughs> where no every way, yeah. single minute of your workday is spent surrounded by that person. Like yeah, that, that yeah. person I worked with, you know, years ago. Oh man, if I had to, I, I, and I was lucky, I worked in a different department, I had nothing to do with her. I was literally on a different floor. Mm. But I seen the, I seen the impact that she had on the, the people that worked, that were worked in the room with her. Mm. You know, and like she wouldn't pull it with me because I wouldn't let her away with it. Like she'd say something to me and I'd fucking pull her on it. Yeah. So she knew not to target you. She knew not to target yeah, yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, and, you know, I mentioned this, I think I might have mentioned it in another episode as well. Like, people will treat you how you allow them to treat you. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So um, if, if, if you allow that, they'll push that boundary. So you need to set that boundary and go, no, don't talk to me like that. Mm. You know, yeah. <laughs> remember a client, um, I think I, I mentioned them uh, recently where the, the whole confidence had been shot due to the, the this abusive boss that he yeah, had, yeah. you know, just berated him and started a new job. And I said, well, are you happy with the package? And he says, yeah, you know, just great. Just fucking treating me great. And he said, oh, it's about 20 grand less. I said, well, at what cost? Mm, yeah. Would you have yeah. stayed in the last job for that 20 grand? No, mm. no, yeah, not worth it, not worth it. Not worth the anguish, not worth the pain, not yeah. worth anything like that. That's exactly what Michelle did here. So yeah. She obviously um, cut ties with work and is yeah. feeling much better. But, you know, what she's wondering about is, um, you know, how to deal with the impact of their behaviour on your mental well-being. So you're saying, you know, stand up for yourself, stand your ground, don't be spoken well, the, like that. The, yeah, the, 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 other, the other thing around, around their behaviour, that's it exactly. It's their behaviour. Mm. It can be hard not to personalise it. But... Look how fucking understanding do you want me to be here? Something has happened to that person that's made them that way. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. you know, hurt people, hurt people. Hmm. Yeah. So don't personalize it. Just some something's happened to that person that's made them that way. 
you can extend compassion, you know, to consider, oh, Jesus, well, what, what have you gone through that's, that's made you the way you are? Mm. You know, you can take that attitude to work. Um, and the other side is, sometimes people are just cunts. <laughs> 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 and have as fucking little to do with those kind of people as you can. That's, that's definitely a quote. Sometimes people are just cunts. <laughs> so how, how do you recognise um, sooner when it's best to step away from the person? You were saying there, you know, if you find them draining, you're, 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 mm. you're walking away going, oh, Jesus Christ. Is it best off to just try and avoid them whenever you can? Yeah, look, um, from, what I, from what Michelle said, it's like you, you did everything. There's mm. nothing I could have said that yeah. she could have done more there. Sometimes you just walk away. Cut ties Sometimes and go you just right, got to walk it. away. Is it worth it? it? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sending that in, Michelle, by the way. And yeah, cheers, Michelle. Thank you. That well done. Well done. I'm glad, you're, I'm glad you're happy. And, you know, textbook, everything you everything you should do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it made no difference. So as you can see, it was Michelle wasn't the problem. Mm-hmm. It was that other person. Yeah. Hey, lads. First of all, I want to say a huge thanks for what you're doing with the podcast. Refreshing to hear two lads talk so openly about mental health issues. I know Peter mentions it on the podcast every week, but I think you are starting to help break the stigma. That's great here. Mm. I'd really appreciate if you could keep me anonymous for this. No problem at all. I'll try to keep this as short as possible. I was in a relationship recently that was very abusive. I'm very embarrassed to talk about it and I've never heard anyone else talk about it. We broke up a short time ago. I just couldn't take it anymore. My ex would constantly abuse me, call me names, and on a few occasions, she physically hit me. Our relationship started off great, don't they all? I've listened to your podcast and heard Alan talk about the impact of things in childhood and how to shape how we are. She was exactly like you spoke about on the trauma episode, had been physically abused herself. I always felt so sorry for her and excused when she would verbally abuse. The tensions got worse in the relationship. Fights would start over absolutely nothing. It came to the point where I was nearly afraid to say anything to her because she would just explode. The first time she hit me, it didn't hurt or anything, but I was shocked and I just kind of laughed it off. Did you just hit me? I couldn't believe it actually happened. It was over a trivial thing. The second time was more severe. She'd been out drinking, came in drunk. And what always happened, happened when she was drinking. A fight started. This time in bed as I tried to go to sleep, I knew better than to argue with someone who was drunk. I tried not to react to the name she was calling me. Then when she got no reaction, she started punching me in the arm multiple times. She hit me to the point my arm was bruised. I grabbed her hands and told her if she hit me again, I was going to call the police. In reality, I couldn't even imagine calling the cops. I mean, what are they going to do when some lad says he called them because his girlfriend had been hitting him? I'd been laughed at. While the physical abuse wasn't always there, the verbal abuse would always be there when she was drunk. It was just venom that came out of her mouth. I'd be called every name under the sun. And then when I just learned to ignore her, she would start insulting my family, calling them names. It just got to the point I was actually afraid to go out with her. Then she would complain that we never went out. Why would I want to go out with her? It would start off a nice night. She'd get a few drinks into her and she would just switch. In the relationship then, guys she worked with were always texting her, asking her out or being flirtatious. To be fair to her, she would always tell me both of us were very open with our phones. They were always left lying around and we could always look stuff up on each other's phones if we needed to. What's that lad's name in a film? Yeah, you, I, I always do that, yeah. You see somebody familiar and you go... Yeah, who's that? Oh, oh yeah, that he was in such, such. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I looked that up there. Yeah. <laughs> she never had a lock on her phone, but then she put a lock on her phone. She started bringing her phone with her if she went to the toilet or shower. 
I raised the sweater and she said I was being so insecure and it will usually lead to a fight. I don't think I was being paranoid, but when someone all of a sudden starts locking their phone and bringing it with them wherever they go. After I addressed it with her and she started leaving her phone out and I started to get paranoid and if she went to the toilet, I would check her phone, but she'd have it turned off or on flight mode. Every time I raised the issue, she would start calling me names. I was insecure, prick, etc, etc. The last time she hit me was like a nightmare. I gave in and I agreed to drinking for the day, but in reality I was riddled with anxiety. I knew once she got drunk, what would happen. I wasn't wrong. The verbal abuse went on for hours, calling me names, calling my family names. Bearing in mind my family loved her, they actually treated her better than her own family most of the time. It was late at night and I just got into bed and just fobbed off anything that was said, just agreeing with her, oh yeah, you're right, I know I am, whatever you said. In reality, as I look back on this, it was the worst thing to do because when she didn't get a reaction, she upped the stakes to get another reaction. I was in bed, she got into bed and started punching me in the arm again. I had to do it, pull over, so there was a bit of padding there, I just told her to stop and go sleep. Then, this is really difficult to talk about, she started kicking me at the bottom of my back, I'm talking booting me right into the spine. I was in agony. She kicked me so hard she ended up kicking me out of the bed. I fell on the floor, jumped up, put my hands in her throat to get her to stop. I'm absolutely disgusted with what I did. I've never put my hands on a woman in my life. Even since we've broken up, I am so embarrassed by what I did. I did tell one or two friends about physical abuse, but it didn't really help. They just said they would have decked her the first time she hit them. But none of that has helped. As a man, I'm so embarrassed by the fact I was in an abusive relationship, but I'm so disgusted with the fact that I had reacted. I really let myself down. I know you're always saying for people to send in their stories. It was just a story I wanted to share. I would be interested in hearing what you guys think. Please keep me anonymous and keep up the good work. It's something we don't hear a lot of, but it's probably Mm. something we don't hear enough of men being on the other end of abuse. Mm. Let's talk about the ex-partner. What does it sound like she suffers from? Because he mentioned that she had been physically abused herself. Mm. Well, it's, it's everything we spoke about last week in the episode yeah. of drama. And, and although it's not, it's, not, um, it's not being done to a child, but the point I made last week, that's, that intergenerational inter, intergenerational trauma being passed on mm. so she was battered and she goes on to batter yeah she thinks this is the right thing to do or this is how you yeah would so this, you this is what like a parent do that like a, yeah obviously yeah. So I, think the, I think the person said you know this was she was physically abused um yeah i can't, I can't remember what she said but there was something there like this this is what happened to her so in in that house, what you learn is well, you're well when you're angry, it's acceptable to hit people. Mm. And the main point I would make around that would be, and you know, there's, there's so there's so much in it. But the the main point I would make about you know, you mentioned how ashamed he is that that he he, he re, how he reacted. What I would say to that would be swap the genders. If a lad was hitting his girlfriend. Kicking, kicking her so hard in in their back that kicks them out of the bed. She jumps out, puts her hands around his throat to tell him to stop. Mm. Well, what would we say to that? We'd say, "Go, girl." Yeah, you should yeah. dead right. She should have hit him the fucking first time. Yeah, you reverse it. What's that look like? Just when you just change that gender. I remember yeah. seeing something on Facebook before. Uh, uh, it was some some domestic violence 
billboard in the States and it was, um, it said, she, she only hit me once, but they had crossed out only and once or something like that. So it was basically left with, she hit me. Yeah. It was like, it was basically that the, the message was, there's no excuse in it. But, you know, there's so much in this around what we talk around, around the perception of masculinity and, you know, what it is, you know, yeah. a man is, should be in a in an abusive relationship and, you know, the friends then just going, oh, you sure I would have fucking knocked her out. Yeah. You, you know, that, that kind of attitude. Yeah. Which would have been, you know, obviously hard enough for him to talk about in the first place, to, mm. to, to bring it up with the friends. Um, but just talking about herself for a second, she seems very angry. And oh, course, would I yeah. be right in saying she has low self-esteem? Uh, possibly. I mean, I, I don't I don't know what necessarily there, there, there would mm. be in that. Uh, it's I like she wants to be mistreated. Well, that's that's the other kind of self-sabotaging thing. Yeah, it just it, oh. it sounds to me like she she's looking for a, a reaction. You know, the, the mm. verbals mm. get worse. Well, this, this is the attachment. This is the attachment style playing out. Uh, so probably in a situation like this, you're looking for you're looking at a disorganized attachment style. So we spoke about the attachment style before, of the avoidant attachment style and stuff like that, and uh, and the ambivalent attachment style. Chris mentioned um, when we had Chris Pender on, and he'd mentioned uh, he's been stalked, harassed by an ex, and he mentioned that so there was none of that when they were together, but since they're broken up, it's this person has become. Very, very dangerous by the sound. Mm, yeah. That's when the attachment style gets uh, gets activated. Okay. So when when you're in the relationship, it's grand. When everything is gone grand, you'll never you'll never be aware of the attachment style. Mm. It's when something happens that activates it. So with that loss, with that um, kind of thing, that's when it plays out. So okay. for, from what Chris described, you're probably talking about again, either a disorganized attachment style or an anxious attachment style. Yeah. So she wasn't getting the attention. Um, and whether this was a kind of self-sabotaging kind of thing of I'm worthless, I don't deserve this relationship and mm. so I'll do that to, to, to destroy it as much as I can. Yeah. Uh, the, the other thing that, that, that struck me then, um, uh, the, the person had mentioned that every time she was drinking. Drink's an issue, yeah. Drink, yeah. yeah. I mean, all drink really does is, is magnify what's already there. Mm. So obviously there was a lot of anger issues already yeah. there and what happens then is and you know we have all these expressions around it you know going back to the fucking Romans in vino veritas in wine is truth you know uh, drunk man's words are a sober man's thoughts mm. all these kind of sayings because drink just removes that filter and yeah. I would often ask a client what sort of drunk are you so some people, oh, I'm fucking happy. I'm up dancing on the tables. I'm going around talking to everyone. The other lad, well, I end up getting into fights. Uh, the other lad or the other one, well, I normally end up, I have to avoid the fucking drink because I end up crying at the end of the night. Yeah. So, okay, so you've got obviously a lot of repressed emotion in there. For for In this situation, then there's obviously so much anger there and it's amplified then when the drink, when, there's, yeah. when there's drink there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, what I'd probably say is... Uh, the the anger isn't directed toward that person. It's just displaced. So that anger that couldn't be uh, directed at mammy or daddy, depending on which one of them yeah. uh, physically abused her um, as a child, it's it's now being directed at someone 
a safer target. Yeah. So she needs to get her frustrations out somehow. And, this and obviously it all comes out when, when the alcohol when is involved. Drink. Yeah. Yeah. The, the other thing around it then as well is similar to, to Michelle's uh, email around the gaslighting. Mm. Around when he called her on the hiding her phone and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're fucking insecure. You're this, you're that. You know. Yeah. I mean, look, for me personally, with a change of behavior like that, you'd have to say there was something going on. Yeah. Mm. You know, why why do you go from your phone lying around to putting a passcode on your phone or putting your fingerprint on your phone or whatever it is, mm. bringing it into the bathroom with you, bringing it to the toilet with you, bringing it to the shower with you, and then when it's raised, raises the issue and being told you're insecure, you're yeah. this, you're the that. Denial, yeah. And then, okay, I'll have my phone out, but... Unbe- well what what she thought was probably unbeknownst I'll have it actually turned off or I'll mm. have it on flight mode flight mode yeah, yeah so no messages or no calls are going to yeah are going to come in but he you know he says he called her on it and but then he's told oh you're an insecure prick or whatever it was mm, yeah 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 you know undermining what he's saying yeah I mean to, to be honest I'd be fairly paranoid if if, if I noticed a change in behaviour like that I, I don't know about you but yeah, of course you do, because we... It'd be a red flag, certainly. Like, we, we communicate verbally, but we communicate even more physically. And we mm. know the movements of each other. <laughs> you know, yeah, we're living yeah, with each yeah, other. We yeah. know non-verbal communication is huge. Mm. And you know if somebody's acting shifty, somebody's acting a little yeah, bit different yeah, or whatever, yeah. you know, and they can deny it all they want, but you yeah. know <laughs> yeah. when they yeah. are being a little bit different. So he obviously, he knew that. It started off with a little kind of thump on the arm, and it was like, uh, oh, did you do that? Mm, and mm. you can understand somebody going, all oh, right, I'll kind of brush it off. Okay, that's yeah, not the yeah, major. Yeah, yeah. But then when it became more physical, why did he stay with her? Would be the question I'd mm, be asking. Mm, why didn't he, mm. like, what goes through somebody's mind like that? Do they think that I might be able to change her? Or, you know, um, it was a bit near where he said he feels sorry for her because she was, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, she did endure abuse. But, yeah. Do people think that? I can change it, I can help you through this and Yeah, I think so. I mean I, I can I can relate to that. I've been in been in situations like that where I've made allowances for people's behaviour. And this is the job and I've spoken to many therapists who, mm. who would be the same. You know what's made them that way. So you yeah. kinda of cut a bit of slack. Whereas yeah, yeah. any Joe Public lay person is gonna go, You're just a fucking prick or you're just a cunt, I'm out here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. You, but you see it differently. You're like, oh well, this is what's happened. That's made them, and I, and I think he said that. Of, you know, he kind of made allowances for yeah, yeah, for yeah, what yeah. what had happened. Um, and well, I'll hold my hand up and say I've been guilty of that. And I know many therapists I've spoken to have been, you know, friends would go, yeah, you make allowances because you understand. Yeah, that's what you know. That's what they've gone through. That that has made them that way. But what I would what I would probably say there would be. Trauma, you know, trauma is what is what screams to my mind there yeah. for for that person of the the beatings that took growing up and how this manifests then in in, in the relationship yeah. and the anger that was maybe there should be directed at mommy or daddy but couldn't be and what's this person bringing up that yeah what what's what was the boyfriend or partner bringing up that this person was mm. reacting the way they were yeah um, yeah and. 
I hope she's getting help because it sounds like she needs counselling or yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, you know, just to say as well, thanks to that person for for sharing their story. Absolutely, um, it is. And as you said, it's not like like when we had Chris on. It's we don't hear the male side of it. Mm. Yeah, I've had I've had a couple of men who've been you know been been the victims of, uh, but they're few and far between. Yeah, you know, you you never hear that side of it. Yeah. And, and um, as, you know, the kind of embarrassment that he mentioned as well. Of, just going to mention that, yeah. 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 Um, but it shows great restraint by him not to throttle her, as friends have suggested. Mm. That's what mm. they would do. What you call that boxer who, uh, I think he's been cleared by the Boxing Federation to get his license back, where he made a video on how to punch your wife properly. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Jesus Christ. You know, like, when you have people like that in the world, yeah. you know, and you have people like this guy who can show restraint and go, not going to do it, not going to well, do it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. But what I would say in that is, well, you know, he acted in self-defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a pure primitive piece of... Absolutely. You know, he, yeah. Said, yeah. he said something about kicked in the background. He was in agony. Kicked mm. so hard, she, she kicked him out of the bed. Yeah. So he acted in self-defense. I mean, mm. that's that primitive part of the brain. Yeah, um, and you know, look. Thankfully, nothing else, nothing else, kind of ensued from what from what they've described out of it. But yeah, um, I think the important part for him is they're no longer in a relationship. Mm. That's huge. Yeah, um, yeah. Because you often heard of people who will stay in a relationship because the partner will go, "No, I need you. You have to stay with me. And if you mm. don't, then I'll commit suicide." Or <sighs> Um, yeah. I'll end it here and now, and I promise I'll never do it again. But of mm. course, they do mm. it again. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's 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 the cycle. That's the cycle of violence in in a domestic in an abusive relationship. So, uh, the tension starts to build. Um, there's the event. So the tension then is all dissipated. All the tension that's been building up. They have the fight. He hits her to fucking dig. Traditionally, no, we'll we'll change it. She hits him to dig. Mm. And then afterwards, oh, I'm so sorry, I was drunk. Uh, it'll never happen again. Uh, look, let's let's go away for the weekend, or let's. I bought you this, or I bought you that, and you okay. enter back into the honeymoon period. Yeah, yeah. The tension builds again, kicks off again, and yeah, round yeah. and round, round and round it goes. Yeah. How do you get out of that cycle? Well, outside help usually. You know, you know, couples counselling or anything like that. Um, one one or both you know individuals needing needing counseling because yeah. it is a toxic relationship yeah absolutely yeah it goes back to the toxic person that that michelle described yeah you know? yeah true indeed okay let's leave it there that was the very first in session podcast on the straight talk mental health podcast so thanks very much to everybody who got in touch on mm. facebook instagram twitter and our email as well we really hope you get something from that. Um, and we will do it again soon. We'll do an in-session too, very, very soon. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, we're always encouraging you to get in touch. And uh, if there's something you want us to discuss, a topic you want us to, to discuss, and we do have a few things that people have got in touch with us, which we will uh, pick up on. And uh, we have some guests uh, queued up as well to talk to down the line as well so really look forward to that but we always want to hear from you so we hope you like what you heard if you like it 
give it a rating, subscribe, leave a comment, or you think someone you know would benefit from this podcast, then share it with them on your social media because it could make a big, big difference in their lives. Now, if you do want to get in touch, you can email straighttalkingpodcast at gmail.com. Get us on Twitter at straighttalkingpod. We're on Facebook and Instagram as well. And you can follow the hashtag STMH. Want to give a big shout out as well to uh, Fiona Bryan for the podcast music. An incredible producer, beat maker, talented musician. And uh, you can find him on Facebook at FOB Beats. If you're a singer or rapper or, I don't know, conceptual poet, he'll sort you out. Actually, do you know what I heard from him? I heard a piece of music he made for a children's audiobook. And it was excellent. Yeah. 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 Cool. It was commissioned Mm. and he made it from scratch within a couple of days. And uh, I know this because I'm producing the children's audiobook. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I said... I wouldn't be as talented as that dude. Get on to Fionn. Mm-hmm. He'll sort you out. And he sorted out the creator. So there you go. Mm. Excellent. Legend of a dude. People getting um, paid. Nice. I'm telling you. <laughs> and I tell you, all them hours listening to Julia Donaldson books in the cars have finally paid off because now I know <laughs> how to produce a child's audiobook. It's brilliant. I, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Julia Donaldson, the Gruffalo? No. Oh, not the Gruffalo. Yeah, yeah. James, James was into Gruffalo when he was a baby. Yeah, that's all Julia Do you know what James's bedtime stories are? Batman comics, man. Oh, man. I brought him into Eason's. And I said, yeah, look, we pick, we read up, we read all his bedtime stories. You go in, you pick out whichever one you want. And of course, like that, brought him over to the Gruffalo. No, I was having none of it. Picked yeah. out an Avengers comic. Brilliant. I was like, but like, he's like, no, can I get that one? I was like, all right. It was, it was, a, it was a children's one. I was like, you sure? And I kept bringing him back, Gruffalo, all the kitty story. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. that's what you want. I was like, okay. You probably get more crack out of it than he does. <laughs> <laughs> but now I have to do the voices. <laughs> oh, even better. I love doing yeah. the voices. <laughs> yeah. You have to do the voices, do the voices. Like, oh, Jesus Christ. Ah, oh, ask me to do the voice. Okay. Once there was a man who. <laughs> <laughs> and you're giving it. It's like when somebody asks you to do karaoke and you go, no, yeah. no, I'm not doing. Once I was afraid, I was petrified, and you're doing the actions and all, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I do, en- I do enjoy doing the Batman voice, so I must say. <laughs> yeah, right, Alan Clark. Last word with you, as always, dude. Leave us with a, a message of inspiration, an alternative message of inspiration, probably similar to the one you gave us earlier. What was that one? Sometimes someone's just a cunt. <laughs> Sometimes people are just cunts. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't know about that one, but um, uh, hurt people, hurt people. Something something has happened to those people that's that's made them that way. Dream talk.